pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm PJ Doran. And I'm Dave Selecki. This week we have Sammy Halbert, Josh Strang, and road race phenom Josh Hayes. But first, here's the latest news in the industry with Tony Wink. Welcome to the show, Tony. What do we got? Latest news in the industry. Hi, boys. Well, the big news, I guess, would be Ken Roxon after, what, three years away from standing on the top step of the podium after some horrific crashes. And I'll be the first to admit that I didn't think Ken Roxon would ever be what he once was. So I'll eat crow. I, I, I'm very, very, nobody's happier for Ken Roxon, but he put it down 24 laps inside Edward Jones Dome in St. Louis. Kid won. He finally, after three years, I mean, we've seen that the comeback story has been incredible. And he uh, is now a contender in uh, 450 Supercross for a title. And so he, he wins the big race. I mean, everybody's got to be pretty excited for him in those regards. I don't care. I don't know how you couldn't be a fan of Ken Roxon, right? Yeah, how can you not be? I mean, yeah, that's it's, the guy, he's, he's lucky. Stud. Yeah, he's lucky to be able to shake hands now. I mean, uh, just this the story is amazing. I guess he wasn't chasing bike setup this week, that's for sure. He got that all sorted out and uh, it just looked uh, aggressive. It just He looked like the old Ken, you know, I think he yeah, it. For sure. And then, um, you know, and if you'd watched the, the coverage on on TV, you wouldn't have I mean, they hardly made a fuss about it other than they, they just interviewed him at the end. But Barsha, Barsha comes in a real quiet second place, you know, and like I said, if you watch it on TV, they didn't cover him a bunch, but the kid is solid. He's, he's still got the red number one play. You know, he's like six points ahead of Roxon, 10 points ahead of third, which is Cian Cirillo, Justin Barsha. Or Anderson, Anderson and Cian Cirillo. He's got two guys there in third. Oh yeah, you are. They're right. They're tied. Was Cian Cirillo getting the nod? You're right. That's right. Jason Anderson's there too. But I, I tell you, Barsha is, to me, is probably the biggest surprise out of everybody there. He said he was sick. So if that's how he finishes sick, you know, I'm, that's pretty exciting for the Yamaha squad. You know, that there was, we talked about this before, that there was a time that nobody wanted to touch Barsha. And, and you know, they gave him a shot and he's back. And you can tell he's just like, eh, I'm here. I'm, <laughs> you know, I got the red number one plate and, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So I'm I'm pretty stoked for both those guys. Like you said, Anderson, Jason Anderson, and Cian Cirillo are tied in points for third place. Cian Cirillo is another kid that I am very excited for. You know, we've watched him since he got in the pro ranks. He's always been the best spoken rider on the podium. We've just seen him plagued with a lot of injuries we talked about him uh, you know i've heard a lot of people compare him to robbie Raynard's career back in the day the fastest guy on the track but he just can't put together a season 
How about that movie he tried to he tried to put on Osborne? Yeah, before that big thirty-five foot double, and yes. uh, he blocked him and rolled the jump and forced Osborne. And Osborne gave it right back. <laughs> and how can you not be a fan of Osborne too? That kid, you know, we've uh, I think he finished. Um, he's like he's way down on the points compared. You know, he's like tenth or something. He finished fifth behind Tomac, but you know, Osborne is a guy that I've been a big fan of over the years because he went and did off road and he's done some different stuff. You know, he's, he's, uh, he had to make his way overseas for a long time and now he's back as a factory guy. It's, it's cool. And you know what? I, I'm more of a fan of, of watching these guys than I ever have been. I think just because there's such a good backstory. If you look at the top 20 guys in supercross, there's a good story behind all of them. And, you know, even down to like Wilson and, you know, Cooper Webb, you know, being the the kid that we, you know, hopefully we see him come back and do some stuff. We don't, we don't want to see it. It'd be a one-year deal like Anderson, but I guess he's been sick. Obviously you guys know, we talked about Blake Baggett being outdoor guy. He's doing very well in Supercross. Justin Brayton, of course, he's my favorite being a, an Iowa guy and a friend of mine. So what happened there with Brayton? Is anybody talking about uh, the... Uh... The engine problem in the heat race? I haven't talked to anybody about it. I thought about reaching out to him, but having it be St. Louis, you know, there's a million people that were there that he's, you know, they, they made a big deal about about uh, Fortner having 100 friends and family. I guarantee you, Brayden had 300 friends and family in the, in the stands. Yeah, and they, and they need to talk. Home race. They need to talk about that more at that that kind of race because that, that they did mention it was his home home race, but that's about as far as it went, you know, and. Then he was having the bike problems, and they, I'm sure they'll come out with, uh, you know, ignition problems is a stock answer. Usually when a bike gets pushed back into the pits to get an engine replaced. How about Chad Reed pulling off early? What was up with that? I didn't really read anything about why. Yeah, he ended up 21st. He's phoning it in at this point. I'm going home. All right, see you next week. I don't think he was – Tony, I know you're being facetious, Tony, because we're huge fans of his. I, it looked like he had perhaps a bike problem. I didn't see him limping or anything. So Brayton says he hasn't seen his potential yet. He's, I think, another guy that we're just seeing come into his own is Malcolm Stewart. And I think Malcolm, if all the stars aligned correctly, I think you see Malcolm running up front. I really do. He's a madman in the whoops. He's thinner than he ever has been. He He is a beast on a motorcycle. He's got a really good program behind him now. He belongs on a 450. My goodness, how many years did he ride in the 250? And we're like, what are you doing? Yeah, he's you know, he's, he's too big. Yeah. He's a he's a big guy. He he went he went and hit warp speed in the whoops. He I forget who he passed. It was early on in the and and just from nowhere, just he was going ten miles. Made an him hour look like faster. they were standing still. Yeah, I, oh, I remember yeah. it. It was so dominating and so obvious watching it on screen. You're like, wow, he's in an entirely different gear than that guy. It's like, where did that come from? But I, I think Tony's dead on. He's a, he's a big guy and he's a strong guy. He belongs on that big bike and he and he proves it. You know, every race. Yep. So on the 250, we've got Austin Fortner with the big win. I think this is Fortner's season. We said this last year, and it was. He didn't finish it out, but. Fortner, obviously, with the pro circuit team behind him, he's got a real good program. You know, that's his home race. Guys always seem to find another gear at their home race. You can't get any more home race for anybody than Austin Fortner because he was he's like a couple hours away growing up there. I used to see him a lot on a super mini and that kind of thing uh, at my track. He'd come up for qualifiers and that kind of thing. So big fan of Austin Fortner's dad, Mike, somebody we've dealt with for a long time at Wiseco. We've supported those guys. And uh, I'm really, 
stoked to see Fortner win it. I think he is. I I wouldn't be surprised to see to see him win several from here on out. I know Justin Cooper. He's going to have his hands full of Justin Cooper on the Yamaha. I don't think anybody could argue that Austin Fortner could be the guy to, to get on a tear and run in the, in the 250 class for a while. Yeah, so Cooper had a solid night. You know, I, I think uh, even if he was a little bit off to come back and, and finish up second was pretty good. He uh, he's, he's right there in the points, so it's going to be hard to ignore him. And how about uh, Brandon Hartfrant on, on the box, too? I mean, that's probably, I think, his first podium. Yeah, I think the best he's ever seen is a fifth place in Supercross, and, and that was... And I think that's once or twice he's done that. He's he's now on the uh, Troy Lee team, so he's got um, you know real good resources behind him. He's an East Coast guy. He's not a, a you know he doesn't have a ton of amateur accolades that he can he, you know he he's a almost an unknown. It'll be really interesting to see what Brandon can do. And and you know when you when you see a guy get a get a taste of that podium, I mean he was up there when they interviewed him, and he and he said that he was surprised as anyone. <laughs> so. Yeah, I could see that uh, Brandon could do very well. Here's the opposite, Alex Martin, who's been in this class since 2009. He is on the the uh, JGR Suzuki team. He finishes fourth. Amart has been, I mean, he's 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 now the veteran in this class, which is weird to say because when he got his start, he was racing for the team that I managed. We we did his pro debut on the West Coast in 2009. So, Amart been there and done that he should know what to do he's he's due to start running up front and if he's not gonna now i don't think he ever will i think he's got all the resources behind him yeah do you think he's got the resources or is anything holding him back i mean he's a he's 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 been there you think he knows knows what to do when he's to you know to get to the top apart from the fact that he's on a suzuki yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go there, but since we did, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the only, he's the lone Suzuki out there that makes the mains, you know, every Saturday night. Yeah. It makes you wonder. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the, the vehicles and, you know, they're a step behind technically, but I think JGR, if anybody can make the bike go fast as those guys, they've got a really strong, uh, engine program there. I know they do a lot of weird stuff with intakes and, I mean, they they change a ton of stuff on that Suzuki to make it go. And in stock form, I've been told that it's dangerous to ride on a Supercross track. But I don't think that's unique for any of these motorcycles that are in the top five to top ten. They're all tuned machines that are beyond what you know we can buy, probably, to a certain extent. So I don't know if Alex is being held back by the brand, but I know this that he certainly has the experience, and he should be able to get. He should be able to see his potential this year if he's going to let's hope so that's a good looking motorcycle <laughs> you know you're a suzuki guy uh, a little bit yeah <laughs> all right well thanks for uh jumping in with us tony i hope you uh continue to kill it down there in florida and i hope you feel better uh we're wishing the best for you man yeah just a low back deal it's nothing new i you know when i hit that coyote in in baja a couple months ago i didn't do my back any favors so i suppose it's a work in progress kind of like uh I like everything in my life. <laughs> well, you're no spring chicken. <laughs> well, turkey more like. <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll talk to you again soon, Tony. And thanks again for sharing the news with us. We'll uh, see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, Tony. This week's uh, trivia question of the week, Pit Bass Moto, is what year was the Snell Memorial Foundation established and why? 
So coming up, our first guest today on Pit Pass Moto is Slammin' Sammy Halpert. How are you, Sammy? Hey guys, I'm doing good. How about you? Doing real well, doing real well. Uh, we're really excited to talk to you and talk about uh, the upcoming season and also uh, talk a little bit about your past, but uh, you've got some uh, big news for us this year. Cool, yeah. Um, got to, uh, you know, last two years I've been on the Harley factory team, which was a pretty cool experience. My first time being on like a full factory team. And then uh, now switching, like, it's just like the sport of flat track sort of changed when Indian came out with this uh, this bike that's just been dominating. So it was fun being on the Harley team, like I said, but it was just a struggle trying to beat the Indian all the time. And uh, next year I'm switching to riding the Indian for Coolbeth Nyla Racing. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Like uh, Kenny Coolbeth runs a team. He's a former champ. I'm sure you guys have had him on before. He lives in Florida, just like three hours from me. So it's pretty sick being uh, having my team base like relatively close to me. So it's uh, it's a good setup. And Sammy, that's, uh, again, congratulations. I know you are uh, a pro racer. You, you, you were not a guy who in any way uh, said anything other than you loved the ride you had last year. It's the factory Harley team. It's a dream ride, but this has got to be, uh, you know, it's earth shattering. And every we have yet to meet the racer who's gotten on the Indian and said, wow, I wish I wouldn't have. Um, have you gotten any seat time on one yet? Yeah, man, I've been on it a few times. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, definitely an easier bike to ride. It's just um, the Indian's a purpose-built flat track motorcycle, you know, a modern one, which there's nothing else out there like it. So it's over the last couple of years, it's sort of like the Indian was the MotoGP bike and then uh, like the Harley I was racing or whatever was like a more production-based. So yeah, just the purpose-built bike is just, it just turns left so well. It turns so well. It works really well. So definitely looking forward to getting to race it and seeing how I stack up with the the rest of the boys on them. And the the AFT series, our national uh, flat track series, continues to um, really, it seems like in the world of two-wheeled racing, one of the few series that we see really thriving, growing, at least that's the outsider's perspective as we watch the series, attend races, and, and talk to racers like yourself. There, we've got We've got a lot of things happening there. What do you think about the very recent announcement that uh, Indianapolis is coming back on the schedule uh, to be a partnered event with uh, our Moto America National Road Racing Series there in Indianapolis on that same weekend? I've been to that event when it was combined with the MotoGP, and I always thought it was an incredible track. It's got a lot of history. What are your thoughts on bringing that back onto the series? Are they actually racing the Indy Mile? Oh, well, and I guess I, I may be ill-informed. Uh, I presumed it was the mile. Are you guys not running the mile? Because I know they announced a race. Is it going to be a short track event? Man, honestly, I, I saw they announced something. I, th I think it might be the same weekend we have a national, so I think it's more like... It's a local race than not an AFT race. Yeah, it's not an AFT race, um, but I'm not. I haven't like dug into to see what, what's re what it's really all about. But yeah, either way, I'm. Uh, I mean, it's cool that Moto America's promoting a flat track in conjunction with with their their national. And I, I saw it was going to be a super hooligan national championship round, which was kind of you know some gra 
grassroots stuff going on there, which is all all good, man. It's all like that trickle up, trickle down effect, whatever. Like more flat track, the better. That makes a lot of sense. And my apologies. Then I I presumed it was an AFT event when I saw the announcement, but I didn't finish reading the entire uh, news brief. Then there's similar events around the country. If you go to the Road America races, you would get to go to the Dairyland Classic right next door in Plymouth or whatever. So very similar to that, I guess. Yeah, but uh, this is the first time that Motor America is actually. It sounds like they're promoting the event to some extent. So I think it's the first time they've ever been directly involved with flat tracking. Um, so that's kind of cool. What are your thoughts on the series, uh, you know, outside of uh, just your pits? Do you, I mean, are you feeling as positive about the series as it as it seems to look, again, from an outsider's perspective? Yeah, no, it's been good. Like, I mean, uh, our TV our TV's been getting better every year. It's, uh, I think this year we're going to have two same-day broadcasts which i mean must we race at night so i'm guessing they're gonna be pretty close to live so that's pretty cool and all that stuff is good and then uh the rest of it's gonna be interesting to see how things shake out especially over the next like five years there's a lot of changes going on right now we've been on an upward trend but they're not aft's not sitting on their hands they're trying to make it happen so there's more changes coming down the pipeline like this year is pretty big with they're, they're changing our class name to Super Twins and changing the, the way the programs run and the structure. And so it'll be interesting to see how, how it plays out, you know, staying cautiously optimistic right now that, that all the changes will be good in the long run. But it's 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 hard to predict what what's all going to happen. But I'm just kind of I pretty much, you know, as a racer, just focus on, you know, doing the best I can. But. But yeah, it'll be interesting. Like the structures changed so much to where it's more of like a team based partnership with the series. So the teams really partner with the series and the riders. I'm a little, we're a little nervous to see how the riders get treated and going forward because now the, the series pretty much just only wants to deal with the team. And so the riders are kind of like, I feel like on the back burners. And um, at the last event of the year, last year, the riders stood up to the series and told them like, nah, this is bullshit. We're not racing this track. And cause like the track was, was bad and guys were getting hurt. We, uh, right at the end of the season, the track was pretty bad. And uh, got, like I said, guys were getting hurt, paralyzed, almost dying. And, uh, and we, we stood up to them and said like, for the first time really since, since, uh, two, we haven't stood up to the series like that. So we all, we all got together and told them what's up and stood by each other and, uh, and changed the way that race was ran and to where we all, we're able to leave safely. And so like, I think the series took notice of that. And uh, so it'll be kind of an interesting battle between like the series and the owners and the riders to see really where the balance of power lays and, uh, and how it shakes out. So, I mean, it's, it's their series and we're just playing in it, but, uh, but we're the one risking our asses and it's a gnarly dangerous sport, like racing those cushion miles. Um, it's pretty gnarly and pretty dangerous. And so we're, as riders, we're trying to make sure we, uh, we get the respect we deserve and get the tracks we deserve to ride on. So it's, uh, I mean, they're trying, like we're all on the same team, but uh, it's just, you know how it is. So that's kind of where it's at. And we'll see how this year shakes out. There's still a rider's council of some form, isn't there, Sammy? I, I mean, I know in years past, there has been at least one, if not more riders that, uh, you know, had at least some voice with the series. Is that kind of gone away? Is that what I'm hearing you say? No, but but like that hasn't gone away, and and actually, just like I said, the way things unfolded last year, the riders kind of like in prop two like got together and and put a stand up. But uh, 
I know this year they um, actually AFT just sent out an email today asking for one rider representative from from each class so we can go to them in more a professional way. So yeah, we're all working together. Um, they're trying to work with us as well. But like I said, just just kind of a interesting time in the sport, I think, with with a lot of changes and structural changes. So just so for me, like I said, remaining cautiously optimistic that it's all going to be good. We're going to get safer tracks and all that good stuff. So kind of like time will tell. But uh, either way, I mean, the racing's always sick and uh, just going to send it. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I mean, that's uh, that's growing pains, I think, as a, as a series develops and 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 things get get better quickly, you know, probably faster than even AFT had planned, and and they don't want it to spin out of control. And to your point, you also don't want to see people get hurt for, for 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 no reason. And I'm kind of curious, Sammy. So you've gotten on the Indian, which is great. You've gotten some seat time on it. I understand. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So I got to ride it at the Dunlop Tire Test, and then uh, and then I also went and uh, just like I said, was Kenny only being a few hours from me would just. We've met up and rode the thing a couple times at some of these tracks here in Florida. Yeah, man, it's good. Like, uh, I'm I'm uh, gonna just just put my head down and go kick some ass. Yes, <laughs> that's it, the plan. I mean, I mean, the bike is it, yeah. No, it's been good. I, I fit on it well. It seems like, and uh, I'm instantly pretty comfortable on it. So, it, it, looking for good things. And you won't have to re-earn your nickname. So you'll just you <laughs> they'll already know that. So, um, All right. I, and I'm, I'm going to assume you haven't been on the big track yet. Uh, is that true? You've mainly been just short track testing. Yeah. One half mile and then, uh, and then short track otherwise. Right. And it's really rare to test on a mile. Like, um, the only time I've ever tested on a mile is with Harley and, uh, um, but yeah, it's pretty rare to get mile track time, but but yeah, all good there. Just I think really if you dial in the smaller tracks, it all kind of relays over to the big big tracks. And your kickoff is uh, I think Daytona, so that's uh, what month and a half, two months away, and that's a that's a tiny venue. I think if I that's a you tell me. I mean I think it's a sh- the shortest of the short tracks. In the past, we rode the Daytona short track, which for me was sick. I won like a few times, but now we're racing at the uh, like right where the Supercross is. So the last couple of years, we raced where the Supercross is. They flatten out all those peaky jumps for us, luckily, and then uh, and then we race on right there in the uh, in the infield of the Daytona International Speedway, and we actually go up on the banking, up on the high banks on the front stretch, and then uh, back down into the infield. So that's been our program. And then this year we're racing on the same day as the 200. So after the Daytona 200, we'll hit the track and put on a show. I would say you're going to have the full stands for that that program for sure. Do you get to hang out down there much, Sammy? I love Daytona. It's uh, such a great place and a great time. Do you get to stick around much, or is it in and out for the race only? Oh, yeah, for sure. I um, usually plan to, like, usually there, like, a few days early for stuff, and then, um, but uh, you know, it's race face on the whole time. And then, and then uh, like, last year, I stuck around for a few days after and just, just hand it up, chilled on the beach and all that stuff. So it depends um, how much time we got after. But, uh, yeah, usually at least at least got to lock in a, at least one beach day down there. Well, all right. Slam and Sammy Howard's been our guest here on Pit Pass Moto, the Cool Beth Nyla Racing Team member. Good luck this season coming up, Sammy. We uh, wish you the best on your new ride. Uh, are there any sponsors you want to say thank you to that we haven't yet got a chance to let you mention? 
Cool Beth Nile Racing, they're, they're the team, and then uh, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas came on, and uh, a lot of my longtime backers like Fly Racing, WPS, Dodge Bros Racing, 60 Helmets, Motion Pro, everyone's kind of sticking behind me, and uh, yeah, looking forward to rewarding them and uh, all my diehard fans with some solid results this year. It's been uh, it's been a while since I've been on top, and uh, looking forward to for making that happen again. All right, Sammy. Well, thank you again for joining us on Pit Pass. You're welcome. See you. We're speaking now with uh, Babbitt's Monster Energy Kawasaki Racing Team rider, Josh Strang. Welcome back to the show, Josh. Yeah, not too bad. Been good, actually. I just got got home from australia so i hadn't been home for two years so i got to go back for christmas and see my family and and take the little fella home and meet meet all his cousins and family and all that so um it was good to get home and recharge and get ready for the season so uh the full gas enduro starts uh february 9th this year and then the gntc starts like maybe the last weekend in february so got about four weeks till we start racing and then i think about six weeks until the first round of gncc and that first race is still down uh, is that the one in florida uh no so we have the the first round in gncc is actually in south carolina now so big buck and then two weeks later then we go head down to florida do a back-to-back florida georgia race so and don't you don't you go back to south carolina for full gas uh yeah so the first full gas is in south carolina so we go there, and then uh, uh, I'm not sure of the schedule. I, I go week to week. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still so, recovering from a long road trip home. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not too bad, actually. I think coming back to the U.S. is easier because we land in Charlotte uh, in the afternoon, so pretty much you just have to stay awake for a couple of hours and you go straight to bed. Whereas you get to Australia and you land there in the, early in the morning, so you have all day to try and stay awake to adjust to the time. So... It's a little easier to come back to the U.S. from from Australia. So, Josh, I, I read some uh, interesting news about you with uh, Total Cyclist. Uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, so what the deal is, uh, I mean, I've got, I like to think I've got three or four more years of um, racing in me, and I'm excited and 100% committed to that. But uh, I also have started, uh, I just want to start helping some people, and, and I think that's that may be a, a direction I will go once I'm done racing is trying to help and coach some coach some people, whether whether they're kids or or amateurs coming up through, and maybe even some pros once I get done racing. So, yeah, the goal is to start just trying it out and seeing if if I enjoy it and helping some kids out currently while I'm still racing, as far as training off the bike and on the bike goes. So, we've just started doing that, which is which is exciting. Uh, it's obviously second to my racing and stuff um which is i'm still excited about as well it's just a new thing that we're starting this year i've just taken on one kid right now and that's all i really really want just to try and see if i enjoy doing it it's always interesting to me because you know mountain biking and cycling in general is very adjacent to any of the motorcycle sports really anybody who rides off-road or, or motocross is usually training on a bicycle. So it's, to me, it's a natural fit. And I, I think it's interesting how the GNCC has merged e-bike into their program to try to promote it and bring people in. And I think attendance proves that it's working. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, bicycle riding in general, 
I guess every person who started who started racing started out on a bicycle, whether it be a little BMX bike or a Strider or whatever these days. But uh, the similarities, especially mountain bike, has to G to C riding is uh, is is fairly similar. So I think uh, there's a lot of guys that do it for fun and for training. So uh, and yeah, the G to C also have that the new e bike series. So they had the first go at it last year, and I think it was not too bad. I think people are still. There's a lot of people that go to GNCC racing who just want to ride motorized vehicles, whether it be a motorcycle or a quad. And but then I think that once they learn the e-bike riding is actually pretty fun, and the courses they set up are actually fun as well. I think it'll get bigger as well that event, uh, which is cool to see. So uh, I wish I wish I could race the e-mountain bike as well. I just even though those bicycles have a electric motor and they assist, it's still difficult. It's gonna. It's still a difficult race. So I just think if I was to race that on uh, Saturday afternoon, I just think it'd be a little too much to to do that and then race on Sunday as well. So I, I'm I'm curious, Josh, uh, the KX450 you got on last year, and I, I know you've spoken very highly of it. I personally am very uh, involved with that motorcycle because I bought one this uh, this last fall. Great bike, I agree. What was it about that bike that, that really, you, you know, when you first got on it and rode it, that, you know, really struck a chord with you? I really have a feeling it was just a, a, familiar, is a familiar, familiarity that I had from riding Kawasaki's way when I used to live in Australia back. And I think it just, I just gelled with the Japanese bike instantly. So uh, I think that was the biggest thing. I just felt comfortable and I sat. I just sat in the seat properly and the handlebars are in the right spot. And for me, it was an easy bike to ride. So that was probably the biggest thing I noticed is how the bike that I rode originally was, was stock. So it just, I just, it was just so easy for me to get on and go and ride it. And then, so being able to do that, then you, you could transfer it into a race bike a lot easier and less time and then just more comfortable overall. So yeah, for me, the ease of setting the bike up was what really drew me to, to uh the kx450 so uh i was happy with it last year i think i was a little off early in the year as far as just everything getting set up um personally and then uh towards the end of the year i felt a lot better so uh, hopefully going into this year i'm a few steps ahead of what i was last year and can be more competitive early what is it mainly is it suspension setup that you're that you're trying to dial in or is it the engine itself or uh no so the engine is stock uh, we we had suspension testing, and that took a couple. Especially being a brand new motorcycle, it took. It's so hard to test for those the GNCCs. They're they're super rough, and until you go race actually race one, you can't really set up the bike for it until you go race a couple, and then have a have a direction where you want to go. So, yeah, last year it took a couple of races to get a setting that we really liked, and then uh, we had a few other things that we changed during the year, and then I think really it was just getting getting time on it and used to it and and being getting up to competitive speeds the full gas sprint enduro series awesome series every racer we talked to by and large has said really enjoys the format i know it's been growing is it still in your eyes uh from your perspective still a series that's growing on a you know year over year basis or is it kind of leveled out there in those pits i think it, it can grow as far as support goes it's just the, that series is so unique you can i think you can only have so many entries per weekend so the GNCC, you can get, I mean, they could probably handle Sunday and, and still be able to get through the races fine. Where if you get too many races at the sprint, you just, it, because there's only two courses and you have to spread out, the, there's only so much time in the day where you can set riders apart at 15 seconds or whatever. So 
you get many more people than what there is, then it gets it gets for a drawn out day and you, there's less racing. But I, I think as far as the racing quality goes, it's really good and I think the support and that will grow, will keep, will continue to grow at that series. Well, from 08 to 2012, I guess you could see there was just less people. But since then, I believe the GNCC, because it's been around so long, you, you can notice each year how, how much something's grown and, and it continues to grow. And the GNCC, um, especially with the add-on of the e-bike stuff, there's just more people just there. So, you know, that as long as there's more people coming to the races, they're buying products, whether they're buying new motorcycles or or new parts for their used motorcycles, they're spending money in the industry, which for, for myself is good. And then for the for racing in general is really good too. It's a, it's, I think it's attractive to people because it's a less expensive, you know, way to get out there and ride. And you get to ride a lot, you know, two yeah. hours plus yeah. on the course. So it, it, those kind of things are what are going to keep the sport going and keep it alive. And proof is the GNCC was able to go up against AMA and AMA blinked and, they're growing bigger every year since. I don't think you ever have anyone leave a GNCC and, and complain that they didn't get enough riding. So, uh, so I think value for money at the GNCC is definitely worth it. And, and they put on a good series too. I mean, I've been doing it for, I think this is my 12th, 13th season at GNCC. So I've been doing it now for a while. And, and uh, that, like the whole series, I know a lot of people that in – like a GNCC family now, and it's cool to go around as part of my life, and I enjoy doing it. Josh, thanks for talking to us today on Pit Pass. Uh, it's been great to hear from you. Welcome back to the country. Glad you got to go home. And uh, last minute, any uh, sponsors you'd like to thank? I know you've had a lot of people help you out along the way. Yeah, I mean, Babis Online, Monster Energy, and Kawasaki, those guys that started the team last year. So uh, without those guys, obviously, I wouldn't wouldn't have a job. But uh I mean, like we talked about, the bike's really good and, and all that sort of stuff. And I've actually sent a couple of guys up up to Babbitt's to buy some Kawasaki. So uh, they're good to work with as well. I mean, I'd, I've talked to the salesman up there and a couple of spare parts guys and everyone's real friendly. So uh, those guys for sure. And then, I mean, Pro Circuit, Dunlop, CD Boots, those guys have been with me for, I think, 12 years as well. So, I mean, everyone else that helps out and then everyone for tuning in to Pit Pass as well. All right, we'd like to thank uh, Josh Strang for joining us today on Pit Pass Moto. So this week's uh, Pit Pass Moto trivia question of the week was, what year was the Snell Memorial Foundation established and why? And the answer is 1957, and it was brought forth to develop performance standards for improved rider protection. Basically, let's protect our noggins, guys. That's uh, really why it came along. Yeah, they standardized the process of how to rate, and then uh, essentially they baseline performance of helmets, and it was the international and world and industry standard for, for all helmets of most of my life until very recently, right, Dave? They've now, the Europeans, and along with the waterfall or watershed of research and study being done by the NFL and motors and motorsports racing councils have determined wow this maybe wasn't exactly this isn't how we prevent head injuries we may in fact be making them worse so we've got a new standard that's kind of replaced Snell yeah they're moving away from more of the blunt force type uh, action to a more sheer move or a twist move 
Yep, and they're, and they're more talking about controlling inertia. Snell was all about direct impact. Uh, make sure it doesn't punch a hole in it when it hits the ground, regardless of the, the egg inside being scrambled. Essentially, now they've, they're saying we need to slow the egg down a, a bit on its way to stopping is, I think, the crux of the change. Good to see rider protection put at the forefront. We all need it. All right, welcoming now to the show one Josh Hayes, a multiple champion AMA superbike racer, Moto America racer, and uh, just and obviously a father. Josh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we understand you've got some father duties, so we'll uh, we'll try and uh, be cool with your schedule. I appreciate it. Life gets away from you sometimes, you know? Uh, or I think you're just finding it, man. Well, uh, are you getting to take the whole family with you? Let's talk about your a very impending travel deal to Australia. I assume you're going to be heading over there relatively soon. When do you got to leave? Yeah, we got the whole family going on Sunday. So we take off because we don't land until we leave on Sunday, land on Tuesday. So we lose an entire day going there, but... Uh, Melissa this year is coming to ride and join the Mojo Yamaha team. She's going to ride a TZ750. I'll ride that CMR chassis FJ1100. And, uh, you know, the whole host of the rest of the team will be there. We're bringing Little Hawk. Take him and show him penguins and kangaroos and whatever else we might run across. And then we're bringing my mother-in-law as a babysitter. So (laughs) with us both having riding duties, we're going to need a little help. You guys just need to rent a boat and leave a little sooner. It sounds like you could uh, make a real family trip out of it. Are you you guys worried about the fires at all that are happening? That's the big news with Australia right now. Yeah, I mean, it's been a big concern, of course, but uh, we've gotten some emails from the track and and from other people there reassuring us that uh, everything down there around the Phillip Island area is okay. So, man, as much as we hate that for Australia, you know, hopefully this is – a small ray of sunshine in a difficult time, you know, that the event goes off well and people want to come and try to have a good time, you know. Absolutely. And to let all of our listeners know, um, you are yet again going to race in what is called the Phillip Island Classic. And then the races you're in are further named the International Challenge. Is that all correct? (laughs) As far as I know, yeah, yes, that sounds right. And then to add another wrinkle this year, well, not just this year, within this week-long, essentially this race equates to our bike week at Daytona, right? Is that a fair statement? Does it have that kind of vibe when you're there, Josh? Kind of, you know, like the the big thing that stood out to me with the classic racing is that it's, you know, I've been on the business end of racing for a long time where everybody's trying to figure out how to carve out a niche and a living for themselves. And this is 100% about passion. There's not a person there that's making money. Every person there is just passionate about the sport, spending their own money to take part in an event that is love of two wheels. And in these guys, it's a love of older bikes, two wheels. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the camaraderie, the racing was hard. We actually rode really, really hard on these old machines and went really fast on them. But, like, when I won the, the final race last year, you know, I had the captains from both the New Zealand team and the Australian team in our garage congratulating me and hoping we would come back just because they thought it was exciting, too, and loved being a part of it. 
Yeah, that doesn't happen at Daytona too often. I will grant you, you don't you don't have number two showing up at number one's garage giving you a high five. Uh, that's that's no, doesn't happen. Yeah, and and it, I was gonna add that that further they've renamed or they've added a, a a title within the race title, the Oceana title. Apparently, I was reading about it this morning and found that to be interesting. They brought that sub, you know, yeah, race title. That's a historic thing that's just the Australia versus the U.S. part of it, and with a different point system. So uh, we're going to have quite a few things and, and having to, to play our cards right, you know, for several different reasons over the course of the weekend. But, you know, my goal is we, we have improved the Mojo Yamaha one that I rode last year. We made some some pretty significant improvements to it. I got to test it just a little bit, do a few laps on it. And so I'm really thinking that we should be a force to be reckoned with throughout the entire weekend. And hopefully, uh, you know, we can make a statement earlier in the weekend and in qualifying in race one and just have a smooth weekend. And I think we have a really good shot at it. Well, that's, uh, that sounds awesome, Josh, because you uh, last year you came really strong at the end of the weekend's racing. Um, you were you were clearly a, a front runner from the beginning, but you really hit your stride towards the end. We're expecting you to be where you were at the end of last year. Do you feel like you're going to be capable of that? I really don't see any reason why I should be able to be there and be competitive from, from day one. So... Like I said, the bike has actually improved from what it was last year. You know, the competition was pretty strong, so I have a hard time imagining them getting much stronger than what they had. And, uh, you know, we, we're going to be a little different because we're going to have some new players in there for the overall American team, not having Jason Pridmore there. Losing that asset is, is terrible, but we're going to add in Kayla Knapp, who was a superbike racer here in America that was a fantastic rider, and Jordan Doak, the multi-time Canadian superbike champion. So we're, we're bringing in, and then bringing in back Larry Pegram, who has also had the capability and finished pretty strong in quite a few races, and Michael Gilbert. So we're going to have, uh, not to mention, we're not sure who Gary Andrews is bringing to ride his two bikes. So we're going to have a pretty strong contingent, and uh, I think uh, it will be quite a disappointment if we're not, like, right on top of it this year well that's uh that is good news for everyone on this side of the pond anyway i'm looking forward to to seeing how your wife goes has she raced a two-stroke like that ever has she ever raced anything vintage yeah no actually you know melissa started on 125s and 250s at usgpru and so she does have quite a bit of time riding those two-stroke motorcycles she did get to test this tz750 at Willow Springs at an ARMA event back in April, so she's a little familiar with it. And you know, the thing about these TZs is they're riding them pretty safe these days because parts are hard to come by. So, you know, it's not quite like in the old days when those guys were tuning up to the very, very hill and they could bite you really hard. They tend to go a little bit on the safer side. And uh, But, I mean, well, this is a kind of racetrack, based on my knowledge of riding it. I think this is a racetrack that's going to lend to her quite well. And uh, I quite expect her to, uh, you know, enjoy finding her way around the racetrack. And I think it'll probably be later in the weekend before she really comes good. But I, I expect her to do that. Well, and we're looking forward to watching the Do you get to ride for her? Is, is she still running her effort? We'll wrap up with you here momentarily, Josh. But is she still running her uh, Moto America effort or any um, race team at all this season? Or is that moved to the back burner? 
No, it's, a, it's still a little bit of a fluid situation. We still have the 600, and, and our plan is still to do the Daytona 200 this year with me riding for my wife, Melissa, again. After that, for the Moto America season, she's been uh, working on a deal to join forces with the Hudson Racing Group. They've been in the process, but like I said, things are kind of up and down, and you can tell just by all the, the headlines that racing's uh, changing quite a bit. So it's not a done deal, but they're working together trying to come up with a good solution so that everyone can go racing and do a good job, and, and hopefully that will pan out. Otherwise, uh, it could be just one-offs here and there and, and figure out what the next stage of life is going to be a little bit. Well, we wish you the best, Josh. Uh, you're one of the most active uh, hashtag uh, quote marks in air quote marks uh, retired <laughs> racers that we know about. You continue to go out and uh, and dominate on the road racetrack, that, same as you have your whole career. So congratulations to you. We'll let you get to picking up your son. Tell Hawk we say hello from Pit Pass Moto and your wife as well. I will do that. I will do that. You guys uh, appreciate the call Thanks for having me on. You bet. We'll talk to you again soon, Josh. Go get them in Australia. Thanks, buddy. We'd like to thank Josh Hayes for joining us today, road racer extraordinaire and all his great stories. Upcoming racing this weekend, we've got uh, Return to Anaheim. Anaheim 2, January 18th. That's Saturday night. Hope uh, everybody's out to watch that one. Ought to be a good one. The first two have been spectacular. Supercross races, just a lot of uh, exciting things happen, a lot of drama, which everybody enjoys. Ken Roxon getting his first win in over a thousand days after his injuries. Really, really great storylines and great racing. What do you think, PJ? I absolutely, and there's there's a, a fair number of things that haven't happened yet. In my mind, Eli Tomac coming completely out of his shell and being the guy that I think he still is, uh, and a dominant racer. There's a couple other guys in the pits that. Maybe they're, they haven't been 100% healthy, or they've got some other reason they haven't fully hit their stride, but I think that stuff starts in. Thank you again to our guests, Sammy Halbert, Josh Strang, and Josh Hayes for being with us today. And we want to thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. Of course, make sure you're also following us on Twitter and Facebook, and of course, pitpassmoto.com. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. We'd like to say a special thank you to Ed Coolenkamp, social media contributor Chris Bishop and Tommy Boy Halverson, our producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineers Sean Rule Hoffman and Eric Colt. Now, I'm PJ. And I'm Dave. We're going to see you next week here on Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for tuning in. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.